0: Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Today, we'll be discussing letters from readers who are obsessing about their lackluster high school tennis careers, their awkward interactions with their crushes, and whether participation in civil war reenactments is a dating deal breaker. Here to help me out is my guest, Damon Young. He's a writer, critic, and humorist and a self-proclaimed professional black person. He's the author of What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, and he hosts the podcast Stuck with Damon Young, where he and his guests talk about the headlines and tackle listener-submitted questions, much like we do here. Hey, Damon.
3: Today, should I call you Dear Prudence, Prudy, DP? Like, what, what, what should I call you here?
0: My friends call me Prudy when they text me asking for advice. Okay. My mom says her name is Prudy Senior. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. I've learned that um sometimes so I don't read the comments on the column because I, I'm not psychologically strong enough. Mm. But sometimes people will like screenshot them and email them to me when people are upset with what I've said. And I saw there that people were calling me Prude, like a combination of Janae and Prudy. P R U D E E with an accent on the E. So take your pick.
3: I think I'm sick with Janae. I think I think okay. that's a safe that's a safe pick right there.
0: I'm comfortable with that. Okay. So before we get started, um, I know you have a lot of opportunities to give advice on your own show, so you're probably not like overflowing with it the way most people are. But I did want to give you an opportunity to just give the world one piece of unsolicited advice.
3: Okay, the first piece of advice, the the best piece of advice I have is the first piece of advice I've ever, I I remember hearing, and that's don't eat yellow snow, right? And- Is it a metaphor? Well, it it can be taken literally, where you're not supposed to eat snow that has been tampered with, but it's also a metaphor for life where if something just doesn't feel right, if something just mm. doesn't feel right in your gut, if something doesn't look right, it's okay not to partake. It's okay to back away. So I love that don't eat yellow snow is like a personal ethic that you could take with you past the playground, past the snow, past the urinated snow. So if
0: something is off putting to you.
3: Yeah. You don't have to participate. No
0: pressure to no pressure to engage with it. Mm-hmm. That would solve so many people's problems.
3: Yeah, I I feel like you know, and you probably see this yourself, but like ninety percent of the calls and the questions I get are people who already know the answer, and mm-hmm. they're just trying to they're, they're trying to justify choosing something else, or they're mm-hmm. trying to justify a decision that they already want to make, like a brave decision, but a decision that they want to make and they need some backup. And like
0: this yellow snow is here. It clearly has pee on it. It's disgusting. But I know that it would be really hydrating. And, you know, my other <laughs> friends are doing it. And people have said they want me to eat it. So should I? No, you don't have to. I just to saw a TikTok
3: on snow. yellow snow. And, you know, it was really engaging and really informative. And there's a way to filter it so that it mm-hmm. helps your kidneys. And like, no, no, just, just close TikTok. Shut down your texts. Don't eat the yellow snow.
0: You don't even have to confirm with your therapist. You can just pass. Okay, great advice. Damon and I will dive into your questions after a short break. The best way to learn a language, immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I love how easy it is to use, and as a person who can be really self-conscious about making mistakes, I love that I don't have to actually talk to a real human while I'm still working on my vocabulary and my accent. Be a better you in 2024 with Bavel, the science-based language-driven learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. They're delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, Plus, all of Babbel's fourteen award-winning language courses are backed by their twenty-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners: right now, get fifty-five percent off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com/prudy. Get fifty-five percent off at spelled babbel.com/prudy, spelled b-a-b-b-e-l dot prudy.
4: Kroger, fresh for
0: everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Damon Young. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled, Uncertain in D.C.
5: I'm a South Asian woman living in the D.C. area, and my boyfriend and I have been dating seriously for just over four months. He's a really great guy, thoughtful, caring, handsome, intelligent, and funny. I'm finishing law school, and he completed his residency a year ago and is now working in pediatric oncology, so we are both pretty stressed right now, and I understand the need for relaxing hobbies. When we first met and talked about our hobbies, he told me that he enjoyed cooking and mountain biking on the weekends to de-stress. But recently, he said that he had been holding back from telling me about his other hobby, participating in Civil War reenactments. Apparently, he got into it during college when he minored in American history and volunteered at a battlefield state park and has continued to love it. He, quote, has always fought on the Union side, unquote, and is absolutely against glorifying the Confederacy in any way. While he doesn't participate in reenactments every weekend, he tries to go around once every month or so, and also volunteers to help teach new reenactors. He apologized for not telling me sooner, and said that many people viewed it as either something for racist guys who were obsessed with the good old South, or thought it was like LARPing and were weirded out, so he hoped I could understand why he didn't tell me right away. And if I'm up for it, he'd love for me to see his next reenactment. I don't entirely know how to feel. I moved to the United States when I was 10 and lived on the West Coast, so I didn't exactly grow up knowing about this, but I really don't want to support something that some people view as glorifying the Confederacy. I've been reading a lot of conflicting opinions about these reenactments online as well, and I really don't know if it's something I'm okay with or if him hiding a hobby from me for months is something that I should view as a red flag. How concerning is this situation? Should I view it as a warning sign about the future or as a nerdy hobby he was too embarrassed to tell me about right away? Please help.
0: So unlike the letter writer, I have lived in the U.S. my whole life, but I also grew up on the West Coast. Um, I also have a big blind spot when it comes to anything involving costumes, fantasy, all that stuff. Just my eyes start to glaze over. So... I actually went and asked people on Twitter, which I'm moving away from using, but it's still my go-to. Just for like some context as to how normal people feel about this, I'm going to share a couple of quotes. So this was like their general opinions about the reenactments without the note that he doesn't work for the Confederate side. Someone said, to be honest, I assume they're racist because why do you want to play act at rooting for slavery? What is there to relitigate? Go dress up as a Marvel superhero and leave me alone. Someone else said, they're nerds who are too sanctimonious and racist to just play Dungeons and Dragons or do cosplay like normal people do. Someone else said, I'm definitely going to assume racism on the Confederate side until proven wrong. On the Union side, I can see it being a bit more of a bonding fun activity for a certain kind of history nerd. So I think my first impression after polling the world is that it's cool as long as he's on the Union side. What about you?
3: So... Six or seven years ago, my wife and a couple friends, we went on a, on the Great Allegheny um, path, Great Allegheny Bike Trail, whatever. It's a bike path that's from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. for people mm-hmm. unfamiliar with that part of the country that is about a four-hour drive. So, you know, it's, I think, maybe a, a 150-mile-long bike ride. We did half of it, right? And Pittsburgh is one of those places where, you know, it's in Pennsylvania, and once you leave the city... It gets wider and wider and wider and wider, okay? Because mm-hmm. you know a lot of urban spaces in the area in the country are like that. And one thing that you see more and more as it gets wider and wider and wider is you see more and more American flags
0: hmm.
3: on houses, just on streets, on cars. It, it becomes like saying it's a flag orgy is not. I, I can't think of a better <laughs> word than orgy, but mm-hmm. it is also an accurate word. And so. I am already, as a black American who grew up here, I'm already wary of white people who are overtly patriotic mm-hmm. or overtly um, invested into in, 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 into, like the Civil War
6: mm-hmm. and,
3: and, and studying the Civil War and talking about the Civil War. And of course, we should remember our history. But if you are a person who enjoys Civil War reenactments and you want to date, you need to meet people at the Civil War reenactment happy hour. Right? Because I feel like and this guy was aware that it is such an absurd hobby that <laughs> <laughs> that, that that most people are going to be like, yo, what the fuck is that mm-hmm. with you? You know, what what are you repressing? What are you hiding? And, and again, I don't know if this guy is like a secret closet racist or whatever who wants to return to 1860. But again, don't eat the yellow snow.
0: I came out somewhere else. Okay. I think, it's, I think it's very sweet and cute that he's embarrassed about it, right? He thinks the association with racism is bad enough that he kept it a secret while dating the way someone would like keep it a secret if... I don't know they were a secret hoarder and they hadn't invited you to their house like this was a he intellectually and emotionally understands that this is a bad thing in most progressive non racist people's eyes. Um, And I find that thoughtful that he made it like that big announcement that you make after a while of dating where you really like the person and you want to explain yourself. I do have a couple of concerns about it, though. Does he have to, like, do happy hour with everyone afterwards, including the Confederate side guys?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what is that like? And what are the conversations like? And does he enjoy them?
3: And again, so you have, you know, the Union side and you have the people who choose the Confederate side. Right. Um, and so, are, again, are you friends with the, the, the people who choose to be Confederate soldiers? Are, mm-hmm. are these your homies? Are, are these your boys? Right. And just
0: looking forward to the way we have to, and people are dating in their 20s and 30s, are these people going to be at your wedding? You know? And, and it, are you going to have to have like 10 spots, like a whole table at your wedding
3: <laughs> for your
0: husband's Confederate dress up buddies?
3: Yeah. You, you put them at the whites only part of the counter. Okay. And you construct <laughs> a counter too. You construct like a luncheon counter for them all to sit in while everyone else is sitting at tables.
0: Wait, but they would actually love that
3: so much. <laughs> but like, okay, I'm trying to think of another hobby. That I very obviously take seriously enough to do it once or twice a month. This is an expensive hobby because you have to buy mm-hmm. the paraphernalia. You have to travel. Um, You know, I- I'm sure there's maybe some sort of membership, some sort of permits, you know, you mm-hmm. have to get in order to have like fake weapons, you know, all, all this stuff. So I'm trying to think of another hobby that is embarrassing enough to you that takes this much effort that you would wait three or four months in a new relationship to reveal it. Mm-hmm. And if there's a good and if and if any of those hobbies is it's an actual like good reason for waiting that long to reveal it.
0: She mentioned Larp, like which I learned is live action role play, which I think is like it has the nerd associations, mm-hmm. but none of the race associations. I have no problem with that. yeah, would
3: you? i I, I could see if someone is a furry. Right. And I I didn't
0: want to go there, but that's exactly what popped in (laughs) my head. I just didn't, I didn't want to be the one to say it. But again, I I I don't think that that's
3: like, that might be weird and awkward and whatever for people, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it has these like really destructive undertones, overtones. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing like, you know, implicit.
0: But you mentioned two weekends a month or whatever. That's a lot of time. And so taking the racism out of it um, or the potential racism, I do think one thing she should think about is you're both so busy. Did she say she's in law school? She's in law school. Mm-hmm. He's a pediatric oncologist. These are two extraordinarily busy people. I mean, I doubt they're even sleeping a lot. They probably barely, barely have time to go grocery shopping. And he is using his precious free time to go do these role plays. So that to me would be something that – you might want to feel out. Like, are you not going to see him for days and weeks at a time if you don't go down to Virginia, where I assume this is happening, and like sit on the sidelines and watch these battles and go to the happy hour with the Confederate guys? Is that the life you want?
3: I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I really appreciate you trying to see, trying to find some like sliver of like a silver lining. And and here, because I just... Oh, so
0: you think she should block him, basically.
3: I I think that it's early enough in a relationship. Again, I think that... He's a
0: doctor, and she really likes him, and he's really nice, and he says he knows racism is bad.
3: I think if you're asking these sorts of questions this early in a relationship, then that's a sign that maybe the relationship doesn't need to continue. Again, I I think... This is like my general edict going forward. I Mm. think more people need to break up. Right, like my, whenever someone comes, like nine times out of ten, when people come to me with like relationship-related questions, and they say that they've been together for a couple months, it's just all right, break up. It's fine. So you're
0: gonna keep you're gonna keep this woman from marrying this thoughtful doctor who does who sa- who does not like racism. I mean, like I'm sure
3: though. there are doctors out there who do not do civil war reenactments that that she could find. This is
0: fair. This is fair. Well, I think more research is warranted. So all, all the information we have about him is that he spends his weekends in this way for whatever reason. But letter writer, you're with him daily or weekly or however much you see each other when you have time. So I think you need to look at the full picture of his personality. Like, does he also do ride alongs? Does he also follow racist YouTubers? Does he also have massive concerns about cancel culture and campus free speech? I think you can look at all the data and see whether this is something that's like part of a theme or whether it's something that's really like not lined up with the rest of his personality, Damon's is like shaking no, his no, head and like, pressing his lips no, over here. No, I Garrett. do agree.
3: I do agree with you. I I think that at, at the very least, more research and extra vigilance is is necessary. And I think it matters that yeah. You know, I think um, this was Asian American or Asian born woman, mm-hmm. um, white man, and mm-hmm. so again, maybe this guy just has some unresolved weirdness about race in general and and again mm-hmm. i'm not saying that him being with her is a sign of that but i think that when you take that he's spending all of this time the little bit of free time that he has to reenact mm-hmm. this terrible horrible event mm-hmm. right where hundreds of thousands of people died again i think that if it's not a red flag that it's at least a burnt orange flag
0: Okay. Well, as I always say, put a note in his file, like put a note in his HR file, and it's a big one, and definitely, absolutely consider it at the annual review. But consider it in the context of all the other data too. Okay. Is that fair?
3: I, I think so. I think. Okay. So. You
0: wanted to break up. With
3: no, that? no. I'm I mean, I'm, I'm, I realize that I am extreme. That <laughs> I'm extreme. I'm an extremist <laughs> in in that regard. So I, I will. You know, I will. I will uh, fall back. Man, well, it's easy I, to I say you're
0: already. I, I try not to be like this because you're already married, and it's easy to say to everyone else, Oh, break up. Oh, everyone, I mean, people want to find their person. You already have yours. And so you can't just sit there and be like, Don't date anyone because she's. <laughs> she may want to have a partner. Don't date
3: anyone. <laughs> I say, <said>, Don't <laughs> you date. You said, Don't date people. a Confederate. <laughs> Don't okay. date Confederate Don't. soldiers <laughs> <laughs> in 2023. That's, okay. that's a very low bar, <laughs> okay, right? It's
0: fair. <laughs> Point taken. Anyway, okay, our next question is titled, Finger Guns at Dawn.
6: I'm an avid potholer and a member of a local club, and last year the perfect woman joined. And I fell madly into a crush on her. She's athletic, funny, pretty, and seemed to like me. So I asked her out. And she said no. Turns out she's a lesbian, which is not a problem. But my reaction to the news was... I gave her double finger guns, winked, and said, "I can see the appeal." Then I went to the toilet and I didn't come back because I got blocked in when someone knocked a broom over. God knows what she thinks I was doing in there. I'm not good in pressured situations, and admittedly I did initially go to the toilet to try and get deflustered. So now she thinks I'm a weirdo. And I'd like to still be friends with her. She's a lot of fun, but how do you come back from a ham-handed pass that went so wrong? And is it an overreaction to give up my hobby, hang up my finger guns, and move to another city? Maybe, But how about awkwardly never speaking to each other again?
0: Did you have to look up what a potholer was, too?
6: I I did.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, so for those who don't know, it's someone who goes walking or climbing in underground caves. I feel like this relates to the first question, that there's so many interesting hobbies there, you no, can have. There are you so, so know?
3: many. I am not going to hobby shame at all.
0: So... I feel for this person. Um, I just I wish I could ask him when he said I can see the appeal. What was what was the joke there? Did it mean I also like women? Was that? I mean, <laughs> was I, that the joke?
3: I I you know what this letter writer. I'm part of this tribe. I'm part of the say an awkward thing, and <laughs> and or not even a thing that's awkward, but say the wrong thing and then replay it in my mm-hmm. head for mm-hmm. perpetuity. Um, Oh, me too. It'll it'll
0: pop up nine years later when I'm brushing my teeth. And I'll literally like physically cringe and have to close my eyes. I caught myself last
3: week having a conversation by myself in the street. Okay, while walking (laughs) about an experience that happened when I was 18 years old, which is 25 years ago. And I'm reenacting the script. I'm reenacting what I said and also what the other person said. Oh, no. And I'm like changing what I – wishing that I could have changed what I said. You okay. had
0: some edits yeah, yourself, I had, I had Yeah, song. I
3: had some notes, <laughs> right? And so I, I get that. I get the awkward finger gun. That is hilarious. <laughs> I wish I would have seen it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you if you were my friend and I saw it, I wouldn't let you hear the end of it. But, you know, the thing about, you know, dying from embarrassment is that you don't actually die. You'll be fine.
0: I would say, too, um, congratulations on just going ahead and asking her out. You know, that takes a lot of bravery. A lot of people don't do that, especially in person. Um, It's not even a skill most people have these days, right? Because everyone just uses the apps and Mm -hmm. you're just swiping different directions and it doesn't take a lot of bravery. So, to go up to someone and ask them out that, I don't know, I think that shows character.
3: I agree. I agree. And And I
0: also think... There's a big assumption here that she started a timer when you went to the bathroom <laughs> and actively sat there and wondered where you were, what you were doing, and why. And I I want to push back on that slightly.
3: Yeah, that it's one of those things where people who find themselves in these cringeworthy situations frequently kind of presume that everyone is as neurotic as they are or mm. or or as they as neurotic about their activity, like about mm-hmm. how about what you just did okay and it might be like a fun little joke or like oh that was that was a little odd but she is thinking about lunch or the bear Mm -hmm. or or whatever else like she has moved on and i actually i'm
0: sure if she's so pretty and wonderful people ask her out regularly and, and, and it's just like a day in the life
3: and if she is actually wonderful i think that this is the sort of thing that if you wanted to be friends, legitimately be friends with this person, I think that's like a great friend me cute. Like, oh, you remember the time that you asked me out and, and I told you oh, I was think gay that? And, and you gave oh, me no. the finger guns? <laughs>
0: I have, I disagree. I feel like I have a theme in my advice that I don't want to say, I'll just make it gender neutral. Okay. Um, men sometimes think they want to be friends with women who've rejected them, but they don't really, you know? I just think you should ask yourself: Do I really want the consolation prize of friendship, or will I just be feeling awkward, being awkward, making this person uncomfortable, and ultimately resenting them because I really wanted to date them? I think it's hard to transition from romantic interest to oh, sure, I would just love to be in your company.
3: So I think I so I I generally agree with you, but I think there are two important caveats. Is this? I think that is true for someone. That maybe you've had like a long time longing or crush on, and you finally mm-hmm. gathered the gumption to talk to them. Um, this doesn't sound like that. Um, this again, so the attraction, you could be attracted to this person, but it's not like you have like have had this deep longing for them. And I think in those circumstances. Well, let me just let me just take us back matters. to the
0: first line. I fell madly into a crush on her. He said madly.
3: Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, all right. Just negate hey, what I just said. <laughs> I need. I need to be a better listener.
0: <laughs> he may. He may need a little space. And I do think too. There's. Um, there's a lot of room between becoming good friends and never speaking again, and mm-hmm. you know, moving out of state and hiding. So it's okay to just be in the same space and be pleasant and be acquaintances, and you can kind of like reevaluate.
3: I agree with that, and I just want to state again as a as a cis, hetero man um i I will say that if i were interested in somebody and they politely but you know firmly turn me down and then i learned that they were um they were lesbian Mm -hmm. then that would alleviate a lot of the anxiety that i would Mm. have about getting rejected it's like oh you're not rejecting me you're you're rejecting like three billion (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of me, okay. And that's so, a really good
0: point. That's actually a detail I kind of yeah. lost over in my mind. And so, it's, and I, it's not in the my same. mind, I was thinking she's going to be dating another man, and you're going to be mm-hmm. jealous, and you're going to hate him, and think he's not good enough for her, and compare yourself. But yeah, that won't that won't be as much of an issue. So okay, okay. Although I think I can see a friendship happen.
3: Although you know, there's always the risk of like a chasing Amy sort of situation happening where you become friends, but then you still try to you know keep I don't know. To, to make a war to make a civil war analogy, you, you just you just mm-hmm. keep marching forward. Right? Mm-hmm. Keep marching forward under the guise of friendship. And so I again I think that as Janae was saying, there is a space between um going to Mars and leaving Earth forever and being in a relationship or whatever. Or be in friend, whatever, and I think that you could be cool with this person. I think that you know you could be cordial with this person, and maybe if a relationship develops, it develops. But again, the embarrassing thing, I again, it's funny, it's hilarious. I laughed mm-hmm. while reading this question, but I don't think it's something that you have to like. I don't know, go into witness protection over either,
0: right? And a good incentive for trying to push through and just behave normally and just try to be normal is that you never know who's going to hook you up with someone, and she could have some amazing friends who are straight. So stay in the game. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show, and when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: can't get enough dear prudence then you should definitely join slate plus slate's membership program you'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members with your subscription you get ad-free listening across the slate network and unlimited reading on the slate site including all dear prudence columns past and present go to slate.com forward slash prudy plus to sign up it's just fifteen dollars for your first three months again That's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Damon Young, to answer your letters. And the next one is titled Plus One of Plus None.
2: I have a classic, who do I invite to my wedding dilemma? Only it's more complicated than my mom asking me to invite all of my cousins. We are planning on a maximum guest list of only 40 people, truly just closest friends and family. One of those friends, Maxine, is a joy to be around. Funny, a great friend, and a welcome addition to any group. However, for the last few years, Maxine has been dating John, someone I can only describe as the exact opposite. A social dud, rude, misogynistic, and honestly, the last person I'd consider a close friend, let alone even a friend to begin with. I know that tradition is to give a plus one to those with long-term partners. They live together, and my fiancé and I have met John many times— He never acknowledges me, not even to say hello. He's a know-it-all, constantly stating, loudly, how, for example, he knows a better wine than the one I happen to be drinking, or visibly plugging his ears and pulling faces if he hears a song he deems bad. I can't stand the idea of having this person drag down the energy at my wedding and forcing my other friends to feel awkward and uncomfortable around him. But I would actually love for Maxine to be there. With such a small group, it's not like I can just push them off to a faraway table. Our friend group would definitely miss Maxine, and she's in all of our group chats, so she's sure to hear about the wedding plans. To add to the mix, John recently realized that he falls somewhere on the autism scale, but is leaning into his diagnosis as a means to get away with even more rude behavior. Can I blame the small number of invitees and get away with only inviting her without inviting John? I don't want to hurt her feelings, but I do want her there, just without him.
0: Did you have anyone at your wedding who you're aware of who had bad energy or a bad personality? Someone who doesn't listen to podcasts? People, you know, most people aren't listening. to podcasts. I mean,
3: yeah, are we counting people I'm related to and would have been yeah. invited regardless? Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, all right. So, n- no one I was related to, but there's one person in particular um, who was a friend of my mom's and my wife did not want to invite her. Hmm. But because she acted, because of the way that she acted at my mom's funeral and yeah. around my mom's like, you know, funeral or whatever, but we, you know, I convinced her that yeah, we we sh- we have to we have to invite this person. And she was fine at the wedding. Right. Um so there was yeah. no one at the wedding that made the energy weird, but there were definitely people that were like, you know, you you're making that list, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and you, you got to make some hard cuts sometimes, mm-hmm. and any reason for someone to be cut. It's like, well, You're you're, you're not like if you're not a close friend or family and it's like, well, okay, I I remember, you know, that weird face you made (laughs) at the cookout (laughs) seven years ago. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's enough not to make the cut here.
0: I think I got into a mindset similar to this letter writers planning my wedding where I was actually like trying to get inside people's heads and thinking, I don't want anyone there who's not really happy for us who's not really wishing us well and it's too much um the letter writers line i can't sign i can't stand the idea of having this person dragging down the energy at my wedding it's too intense i think we should all i'm speaking to my past self too um take the pressure off weddings being these perfect events with only good vibes a wedding is a life event that mirrors your actual life it's a snapshot of the people in it at the time it's realistic Negative things will be thought, negative things will be said, because that is life. This actually reminds me of a fight Joel and I, not a fight, an ongoing dispute Joel and I have about our <laughs> wedding is that I made like the suggested playlist for like cocktail hour and dinner. And I love old RB. So it just is basically a bunch of old RB songs. And I didn't realize until afterwards that. Joel's idea of a good wedding song was one that only said positive things about relationships and love. Now, unfortunately, a lot of great R&B songs are about struggle. Um, you know, Where I Want to Be by Don L. Jones? Yes. Could you sing a few lines of it?
3: Where I want to be. Dun, 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 dun.
0: So the key dun, dun, line dun, dun, is, dun, dun, dun. Do, I, do I leave? Do I stay? Do I Do I go? I'm not saying I, I'm gone. I'm not saying I'm gone, but I have to find out what life is like without you. I just need time to see where I want to be. In my mind, it's a beautiful song. I love the way it sounds. Joel still harasses me because I played this negative relationship song about breaking up and cheating and everything else at our <laughs> wedding, um, and that just reminds me of this letter. It's like you're thinking too hard. It's just a party. You're saying your vows. Your community is there. You're thinking too hard about every single detail of every word that's going to be said. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about how this guy behaves at the wedding.
3: So I, I'm going to veer a little bit. I'm going to veer a little bit. Um, so I I actually think, like, I, I get when people are like, you know what? Fuck, fuck weddings. There are these big parties. You spend all this money for, like, a couple hours. And all this stress is just not worth it. I get it. I get it. But if you are gonna have a wedding, I do think that it should be like an asp like aspirational instead of realistic. Like I, I do think that even the concept of a wedding where you're getting a bunch of people together to eat food and eat cake and eat you don't eat cake every day.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't need,
3: you don't drink champagne every day. Uh-huh. You don't, you know, work out for three months to get your body right for the suit or the or to dress every day. And so I I don't have an issue with someone Deciding that a person is going to throw out the vibe, particularly with a 40 person wedding that is pretty okay. intimate. Like if it was 120, 150, okay, fine. But a 40 person wedding, one person does have the ability to change the vibes. And we're talking the sort of person who puts fingers in his ears <laughs> <laughs> when he hears a song. This isn't like. This is like some shit out of Step Brothers or Dumb and Dumber. Okay, I,
0: I was going to make the argument that the behaviors described are not that bad. Like this isn't someone who's like racist, homophobic, violent, picks fights, um, screams at people, insults people. So he he says things like he knows a better wine than the one I've been drinking. Okay, I mean, okay, the fingers in the ears. I guess, but I don't see that ruining a wedding. I see. I feel like when you go to a wedding and you're sitting at your table, you want like fodder to talk about. I almost think he could make things. It's fun to have like a common enemy. It's kind of fun to say, "Look at that annoying guy." I he's That's not going to interrupt your vows. He's point. not going to um, make anyone like sad or hurt. I'm no. Don't get me wrong. If this was just her coworker, I'd be like, "Don't invite him." But he's attached to Maxine, and she's important. And it would be very dramatic to not invite Maxine or tell her she couldn't have him. So maybe let him come and maybe like whisper in Maxine's ear, you know, could you not, if he doesn't like the songs we play, could you not have him put his fingers in his ear? Like some specific requests that would just go over the line for you if they happened.
3: Or even the vows. Like if he doesn't like the vows, you know, is he going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Is he going to like, I've heard better vows before. Right. I <laughs> mean I've been a much better at weddings than this <laughs> oh, I mean
0: he's, he sounds insufferable but I think it could be like somewhere between a little bit annoying and a good story and also you're not okay 40 person wedding it is on the small side but I still think you're not going to notice everyone's going to be coming up to you saying you look beautiful this is the best day and you're not going to be aware of anything outside that like beautiful little bubble everyone puts you in
3: I I yeah, I, you know what, I, I, I still think that the wedding is so small. Mm-hmm. And and when you have a wedding that is that small, I, I think that people who decide to have weddings that small, and it's not like a financial consideration, it's a, it's a choice for sensibility or for aesthetic. Um, you, you are a person who wants things to be as close to perfect as possible. If sure. you're the type of person who, again, is going to have a, a wedding that small, and it's not about money. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 at the very least, I think that if you invite, if you tell Maxine, you know, hey, we are going to bring your 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 partner, but maybe even give him like a written down like set of rules, like actually mm-hmm. make like a pamphlet or some shit, like like the Jordan rules back in the day. You have like the John rules where you. can And then do I'm going to be getting a letter about how this
0: bride is an insane bridezilla. Oh
3: oh oh well. Oh, well, you know.
0: <laughs> okay, I think I think a conversation is warranted, but I want to pair that with advice that you're in for disappointment if you get too wrapped up in how everyone is behaving and feeling at your wedding. One of my closest friends at my wedding came to California when marijuana was legal here and not where she lived and had, like, too many edibles before my wedding. Mm-hmm. And just was kind of not there the whole day. And she later said she felt like she was five minutes behind (laughs) (laughs) for the whole event. And I mean, she was like, not really present. And to me, that's just a funny story we tell now. But I could see someone being like, oh my God, I can't believe my friend got high and wasn't like energetic and engaging with people. And Talking to everyone at my wedding, you know, you just you got to leave some room for people to be human and flawed, even if it is, quote unquote, your special day.
3: And also eat. Make sure that you eat, you know, before I, I would even, you know, advise someone to eat beforehand because the distance at the time, the distance between, you know, the actual wedding and then actual food is probably going to be long. And you're going to be shaking hands and dancing mm-hmm. and doing this and doing that. And I get hangry. And so-
0: Oh yeah, definitely you know, have like a smoothie yeah. right before you take off. Do something. So maybe some yeah. peanut butter something or protein in, in it. Yeah. Couple of almonds in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, your second piece of unsolicited advice, eat on your wedding day. Yes. Damon and I are about to tackle our last question for the day, ready?
3: I'm ready, let's go, let's get it.
0: This letter is titled, Not Me With Sports Trauma.
4: I have an embarrassing problem. I'm 35 and spending too much time thinking about high school tennis. My super close cousin and I both played tennis as kids. She was very into it, if not the star player. I reluctantly signed up because our whole clique was on the team. My parents asked me to do an extracurricular and there were no tryouts. I wasn't an athletic kid. Didn't take the recommended or expensive outside lessons and generally rode along while sucking. The coach wasn't shy about her dislike of me or her opinion that I brought down the team. Although, she had no problem taking on my parents as the most enthusiastic volunteers. The arrangement was fine, but it wasn't my favorite thing, and I have some surprisingly salty memories of my cousin ditching me at matches to hobnob with the better players. Who cares? We all have a mixed bag of warped tour era experiences. The problem... My cousin just took a school coaching job, and this is all we talk about. Not only the kids she's coaching, but of course, she fondly reminisces about how much we loved tennis, how all our best memories were made at matches, and how much she learned from our adoring coach. To make matters worse, the coach died recently, and tragically, so now I really can't talk shit. My cousin wants me to come to her team's games and know every piece of drama between the players. Frankly, I barely knew how to play the game when I was on the team, and I have nothing valuable to add. This should be a non-problem, but my stomach lurches every time I get a text from her. It seems insane to address that. Actually, the vibes were kind of off at youth tennis in 2006, but maybe I should. For what it's worth, I love this woman, and I'm happy that she's found a way to share her passion. I have no doubt that she's a great role model for these girls.
0: So I don't know, but I do know that the way forward here is not don't talk to me about tennis anymore.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I, I think that this letter this this issue can be solved with some very simple communication um, where the letter writer can just tell their friends like you know what I'm happy for you. I'm happy for, you know, your new coaching gig. I'm happy for your team. I think you're gonna be great in it. But I have to say that my feelings about tennis do not mirror yours. In fact, Mm -hmm. it was somewhat traumatic. I had somewhat of a traumatic experience in high school, you know, with tennis. And so I do, while I do appreciate that you found this in your life, I am, you have to forgive me if I'm not going to be as enthusiastic and as willing to be a part of this, as I as love you that are.
0: phrasing. You have to forgive me. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm serious. That's really good. Well, it's just like because no, because it's putting it on the letter writer. Like this is my thing. I'm sorry. Like you, t- please forgive me if I can't engage the way mm-hmm. you can. It's not you. It, it's me. That's a, it's not you. It's me. And it's true. Yeah.
3: And 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 there's nothing wrong with just with just saying that. You know, like being being this involved. Like I'll come to your games, but I don't need to be mm-hmm. a, a part of practices. You don't have to text me about. What this player did, or what school will this player is getting into, or anything like that, I'll come to your games. I'll support you because you're my friend. But I, the experience that we had back in the day, has you know contributed to my feelings about tennis. Maybe, maybe things will change. Yeah, maybe maybe she'll discover a new love, or a, a reinvested love, or passion, or, or whatever, or a passion that I guess she, that she never really had for. it. Mm-hmm. But at this moment. I think she should just let her friend know that I don't feel the way about this that you do. And that's fine. And
0: I think it could actually be good and healthy to sort of purge all the negative feelings by talking a lot about how Mm -hmm. much tennis sucked for her, you know? Yeah. So if this friend does want to bring up, Oh, these two kids on the team aren't getting along. You can say, Oh yeah, I, I remember being the kid who always got yelled at by the coach and glad I'm not there anymore. You know, tennis was really rough for me. I hope you're, Hope you're being easy on the kids who aren't as athletic because that was a really bad part of my high school career. So I think there's a way to like actually sh- share her perspective and process it because it does sound to me like it needs some processing. I don't like how intense and and painful it still feels. When it was high school.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and again, I think that this could be solved. It should be able to be solved with conversation. One conversation, you know. Um, and you know, I. I'll admit that my college experience kind of fits in this, where mm. you know, I played basketball in college. And if you again, I pl- I was a scholarship Division one athlete, and if you are a scholarship Div- Division one athlete, you were likely a star from wherever you came from, and I was mm-hmm. there too. But then I got to college, and my career just you know I got injured, I had some conditioning issues, et cetera, et cetera, and my career just didn't didn't pan out the way that I um, that anticipated it. And mm-hmm. that contributed to me just not really having a very great time in college. And so, which is fine. You know, it's not, it's not every, there are other people, some people who had even worse times. But whenever the subject comes up about, you know, Hey, you know, college was so fun and had such a great time. And it's like, I always feel like, do I want to be the turn in a punch bowl? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and weigh in, or do I just want to just nod? And wave and be like, oh, yeah, best time of my life. But honestly, I do
0: think that's, I mean, no pressure on you, but with college specifically, I think it's so important that people say that because a lot of kids don't have a great time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so like around like your nieces and nephews or your kids or whoever, I think it would be great for them to hear like college is just rough for some people. And if you're there and it's not the best time of your life, that's okay.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I should probably share that this this example I used was an example from like probably about like ten years ago, because I wrote in a book about my college experience. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you got it so out. So I did get it out, right? But I I do remember feeling this pressure, this social pressure to admit to something that just wasn't true for me. Yeah. Um and, and, and as you're saying, you know, admitting that, hey, it, it actually wasn't the greatest time for me you know, unlocks things and could unlock Mm -hmm. things. And and maybe your friend, this person's friend, didn't have as great of a time too. Maybe she was just really good or maybe she was just really popular, but maybe there's stuff that she wants to admit about that time also. So you have no idea what your communication, what your honesty and what your vulnerability here could possibly lead to.
0: Including um, being more aware of the kids on the team who are having a great time. Mm Mm-hmm. Or who are struggling or who aren't as athletic and making the experience less hellish for them. Mm -hmm. All right. Those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you, Damon.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Janae, for having me on. This was was fun.
0: I'll be using some of your lines. Don't eat yellow snow and eat at your wedding. Honestly, I think that one's pretty well known, but it's always worth reiterating. People need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, listen and subscribe to Damon's podcast, Stuck with Damon Young, where he explores the uncomfortable and hilarious absurdity of human behavior in conversation with some of the best, brightest, and blackest people he knows. New episodes are available every Thursday. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash prudy i.e. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday.
3: If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. And you can stay anonymous.
0: Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry, editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.